tells, he tells a story, and I'm sure you'll know it as soon as I start speaking, you'll know. Um, he, he wants to talk about context, putting things into context, context and, and showing, um, like sometimes we take scripture and we take it out of context and we take it out of the meaning that God has intended for that, that passage in people's lives at that time. And, and we apply it to a total different situation. And he t- tells a story about a guy who plagues, plays bagpipes. And he goes around, and he makes a living about playing bagpipes. And he'd go to funerals, and he'd play bagpipes. And, and he goes, and he gets lost. And it was supposed to be at 2 o'clock. He arrives there at about 4 o'clock. And he thinks, I've been paid already, so I might as well play. And he sees guys already throwing dirt into a hole. And, oh, well, let me just go. And there was about six guys around this hole. So he uh, arrives there with his bagpipes and he starts to play Amazing Grace. And these guys stop. And they are just, they, they, they just awestruck. Wow. And he plays another one. And these boys are crying. And, 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 and he's, you know, he doesn't say a word. And he finishes after an hour and a half. And he starts walking down the hill. And he hears one guy say to the next, Wow, I've been burying septic tanks for 20 years and I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> so it's just context. Yeah, this guy was thinking he was at a funeral burying somebody when it was a septic tank. Um, I, I had the enormous privilege of being able to go to Bangladesh in February. Um, uh, one of our elders has been working in Bangladesh for 15 years with a group called Symbiosis. And what they do is they do upliftment of, of people in a Muslim country, but also they work side by side um, hand in hand with the people that are Muslims. You're not allowed to openly um, witness about Jesus there. Uh, you'll, you know, the, the government will really get into you. So they do it as, as they work. As they, 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 they work side by side, they tell people about Jesus and the whole families come to know about Christ. And um, this one story stands out to me where I'll just, every time I speak to people, I, 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 will, I will tell the story. This one lady, uh, uh, Kimberly, she said that when she was in year seven, she found a, 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 a tract from Bible Society. And she started to read it, and it said, it talked about Jesus, and she wanted to know more about Jesus. So she wrote away, and they sent her material, plus a Bible. And so she started to read the Bible, and yeah, God really just broke into her life, just in an incredible way in year seven. Her father then finds the Bible. And he's a Muslim man. He's an educated man. And she thinks, oh boy, I'm in big trouble. I'm going to be excommunicated from our family, from our community, from everything. What, what am I to do? And her father said, look, this is a holy book. Keep reading it. It's good. It's got Isa in. He's a prophet. Just, and, and, and so God was impacting in her life. And they married very young there. So a couple of years later, they've got an arranged marriage. And her dad says, I've got this guy that you're going to be married to. And they get married. Five years later, five years later, she sees a Bible under his pillow. And she takes the Bible and goes to him and says, what's this? She thought maybe this is just a a ploy to get her to expose herself so that he can actually nail her. And, you know, So, so then he says to her, I have been a believer nearly all my life. And yeah, they'd been married for five years, being believers separately. And then all of a sudden, they'd been brought together through an arranged marriage. And, and, and yeah, God was impacting both of them, both of their lives. 
and they had no idea. And then, and then they started their, their, their mission work um, with, within the, the, the Bangladeshi people. And it's just an incredible way of how God is able to impact our lives, regardless of circumstance, regardless of where you are, regardless of, of what, what is happening in your life. God is able to speak to you as a person. And there's no other reason except that He loves you and He wants a relationship with you. And, and if you think of it, okay, how, how does that happen? Do, do we make, is it, is it first cause me? Am, am I the person that, that draws near to God or is it the other way around? I believe it's the other way around. God is able to draw near to us so that we have got the, 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 the intellect, the knowledge, the know-how to draw near to him. And that's kind of over the, the next three talks. I want to I speak about that, drawing near to God. Because if you think of it, it's really hard sometimes. Sometimes you feel so far away from God and you say, Lord, how can I draw near to you? How can I come close to you? Because I, I, I miss that intimacy. I miss, I miss those moments where we would, we would talk for hours and hours. I miss those moments where we would just read scripture and, and you would speak to me through your Holy Spirit. I miss that. But I, I, I want to I take it a couple of steps further. As we, as we notice that, that, that Christ is the one that draws us near, that draws us in our hearts first. Jesus says no one comes to the Father except if I call them. So nobody, nobody in this world has got the, the desire, the, the, the passion to draw near to God or draw, draw near to Christ unless the Father draws them. Paul puts it this way. He says, how can a corpse live? Have you thought about that for a while? Uh, as you read Paul, and, and he's very brash and to the point, and he doesn't, doesn't pull punches. How can a corpse live? I don't know if many of you have seen a corpse. I'm sure um, you've seen, yep. Um, I, I used to be in the police in South Africa, and, and so I saw many dead bodies. And, and, and you see them on the slab, and, and, and there's no spirit. There's nothing there but flesh and bone. That's all that's left there. How can a corpse live? How is it possible that, 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 that something dead can come alive without a, a, a cause, without somebody coming and making it alive? Obviously, in Scripture, we read of Jesus and, and Lazarus. Jesus called Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Come out of there. We think of the little girl who was lying dead on, on, on her bed. And Jesus says, no, she's just sleeping. Jesus had to call her. Little girl, get up. So there is a first cause. There's a, there's a cause for God to actually call us. Call us by name. Speak to our hearts and say, Bruce, wake up. I want you to know who I am. I want you to know that, that I've got a passion for you as a person. And I want you to live for me. Not just survive. Not just, not just, just, just to have a good life. But, but absolutely thrive for me. So that goes the same for us today. If it were not for Jesus calling you and drawing you near, you would not be awake to the calling of Christ. You would, you would read this book and it would mean absolutely nothing to you. It wouldn't tug on your heart. It wouldn't uh, um, say anything to your, to, to your very heart. It would have nothing to say. Sometimes we feel like it is us doing it on our own. I don't know about you. But sometimes I, I, I feel like, Lord, where are you? I'm calling to you. Why aren't you doing? And yet he is. And yet there's times that he takes his hand off of me. 
And he says, Bruce, I want you to come to grips with, with, with who I am. That I'm, I, I'm the one that is drawing you. That I'm the one that's calling you. It's not about you, Bruce. It's about me. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is the uh, Pharisee and tax collector. as they go up to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee, he's all arrogant, self-righteous, stands there. Thank you, God, that I'm not like that tax collector. Thank you, God, that I, I, I give and I give and I give. Look at me. I am so great. And then the tax collector stands there, guilty, remorseful, deeply sorrowful for all that he's done. And he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He, he looks inward. God has called him. And yet he's just rejected. The, the, the Pharisee has just rejected. But the tax collector looks, looks at God and says, yes, I'm yeah. I want to draw closer to you. I want to draw nearer to you. So the first point I want to make today is that God clearly awakened you to draw you near to him. There is no other way that that could happen. But then what happens within us? You see, there's two things. There's pride and there's arrogance. There's pride and, 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 and then there's humility. Humility plays an enormous part. The tax collector went away justified rather than the Pharisee. As we draw closer to God, Realize that he is God and you are not. He is God and you will never be. We are not God. Number two, acknowledge that you're a sinner before him. Can you hide anything from God? No. We all exist in a pristine glass bottle. Your life, God sees right through you. As you're sitting there right now, he's reading your thoughts. He's reading your attitudes. He knows what you are thinking at this very moment. And he looks at your heart. And he knows the area that needs to be cleaned. It's a frightening thought as you sit there, fully exposed to the, to, to the gaze of God, as he gazes in on your heart. And there's nothing you can do to hide it. You can't put lead up to try and, and block him out. You can't go into a cave. You can't go down to the depths of the ocean. As the psalmist says, where can I go from you, God? Number three, be willing for God to do some heart surgery. As you are drawing nearer to God and you understand that he sees everything, he's going to have to do heart surgery. There's going to have to be a change within your heart. And, and he's the one that's the first cause that will start doing that change. And then he'll show you what to do step by step. But no, it's going to be a painful experience. Like any operation, it's going to be a painful experience. I had a massive motorbike accident in 2014 and I kind of ripped off my left, left ankle. I've got a fused ankle, and I've had 13 operations on, 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 on my ankle. And I was six weeks in hospital, and, and, and you go through different pains and, and, and frustrations. And what God is going to be doing in our hearts, if we are serious about drawing near to Him, it's going to be painful because there's sin there that He wants to expose, that He's not only going to expose to you, but He's going to expose to other people. Other people are going to see that sin. He will expose you for who you really are. He'll expose you for being a sinner. He'll expose you for being two-faced. He'll expose you for being double-minded. 
And most of all, he'll expose you for being unholy. That's a serious, serious thing. First Peter talks about, be holy for I am holy. And, and there's so many times we look at our own lives and we say, Lord, I am so unholy. What are you doing with me? Just throw me on the rubbish heap. Discard me. I'm not worth this. But Jesus says, yes, you are. And I will work with you. And I'm not going to give up on you. I'm drawing nearer to you so you can draw nearer to me. So you can be more like me. I want to have a look at, 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 at the passage that, um, that was read this morning, 2 Chronicles um, 7, 11 to 18. And I know a lot of times we take this, this, this and we take it out of context and, and we, don't, we don't think of it from where it should be in, in, in Scripture. And just, just to put some context there, uh, Israel is, is just like us. We, we say, yes, Lord, and, and, we, uh, and we'll serve you. And then we fall into sin, and, and, and consequences of that sin is brought uh, to bear on our lives. And our lives are, are pain, painful then. And then we ask God for forgiveness, and, and, and that cycle just repeats. And as we read through the Old Testament, we see that happening over and over and over. Israel, why don't you listen? Bruce, why don't you listen? You can save yourself so much pain. But I want to use some of the principles of what God said to Solomon that we can use for our lives as believers. As we, as we look at this passage and, 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 and think about it, I don't want you to think that this passage was written for you today. It wasn't. This was something that God said to Solomon. But, but, God is speaking to somebody he dearly loves. To David's son, to Solomon. This incredible man, full of wisdom, full of knowledge. And we all know what happened to Solomon. <laughs> we all know the, the deprivation that he went to. But let's have a look at that. If you've got your Bible, please uh, keep it open there. It starts off, if my people. If my people. God chose them for himself. God has chosen you for himself. He sees you as, your, as, as his prized possession, as somebody that, that he longs to pour his spirit, his love, his gifts, his blessing into your life. He longs to do that. If my people who are called by my name, God has, has adopted us into his family as believers, and we are called according to his name, a holy name, a precious name, a name like no other. He's called us. To be his. There's that word again. Would humble themselves. Humility plays an enormous part in a believer's life. If we are not humble, how are we able to draw near to God? How is he even to draw near to us? It is practically impossible. Without humility, we see Satan as, as, as he fell from heaven. What was his sin? Pride. Incredible pride. I will be like the Most High. I will ascend the holy hill. Humble themselves. That humility doesn't speak about, well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be a bit humble. No, it speaks of deep sorrow. Deep, deep, deep sorrow. That brings repentance of the heart. It's a soul searching. A humbling is not, is not, I'm just going to sit here and, 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 and be submissive. No. It's a, it's a deep searching of the heart and saying, I am going to search my heart because the Most High has made His abode with me. He's, he's come and lived in my heart. And I'm going to really honor that. Not sorry that I've been caught out. 
but sorrowful that I have grieved the heart of God. That kind of sorrow. That's humility. Of realizing that I am not God. Humble to the point of repentance. A lot of you guys here, I see a lot of kids running around. It's so awesome. It's so cool to see so many kids. Um, you know when your kid is sorry or not. You know when, they, when, when they're truly sorry or when they just want to get it out of the way sorry. Are, they, are we humble to repentance? Are we humble to say, Lord Jesus, I've got no words. I've got nothing. As we move past humbling themselves, would pray a deep communion with God. Not a, not a grocery list. Not something that involves um, me just talking my head off and then, and then going away and, and not even paying it any mind. But, but, but a deep communion with God. Guided by scripture itself. In humility, praying, taking God's word and saying, Lord, would you totally change my heart? Lord, this, this, this evil that exists within me, this two-facedness, this double-mindedness needs to be removed from my life. Lord, I pray that you, through Scripture, would remind me of who you are, how holy you are, how otherwise you are, and change me from the inside out. I always laugh when you see these, these um, celebrities and, and, and one dress is more ridiculous than the, 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 than the rest. I always think that it's, 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 a, it's, it's to take the, um, the focus of what's happening down deep inside. You'll see a lot of people who have got flashy clothes and they, they want to they compensate for something that's, hap- that, that's not happening deep down inside. Humility. Then he says, seek my face. Search for God with every resource at your disposal. Do we do that? As God has, has, has broken into our lives and, and, and looked at us squarely in the eye, and, and, and we know that, that something has to change, do we seek his face? Do we earnestly want to go to every length possible, use every resource at our, our disposal to seek his face? Do we read God's word? With, with, with such an in intensity as if it's the last thing we're ever going to read? Do we have a passion for, for, for His Spirit? For His Spirit to illuminate that word within our heart so that, so that new life would be breathed into us? Do we read how past believers did it? Missionaries. There's incredible books about missionaries. Um, I've got a book, uh, Dietrich, Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer, um, er, uh, Eric Metaxas, I think. And man, you just, this guy's whole existence just oozes Christ. And it's so good to read that. People like the Puritans, as you, as you read how they were persecuted, but they held fast to who Christ is. That, that enthuses us. It gets us, gets us going, gets the juices flowing for Christ. Jesus said that um, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree bear good fruit. Psalm 1 is so true. Blessed is the man or woman or child who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the, seat, uh, in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But, but, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Meditate. 
No, I'm not talking about hmm, <laughs> sitting in the lotus position. No, sitting with God's word and reading it and reading it and reading it. The same passage over and over and over and saying, Lord, you speak now. You speak. If we want to draw near to God, we cannot be involved in sin. God is holy, pure. He deserves us to be the same. Turn from your wicked ways. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit's prompting. I don't know about you, but I've got this incredible conscience that God has instilled in me. And it's not my own, it's His work. His work through the Holy Spirit. I'll be driving down a road and something will prompt something that's in my life that needs to be fixed. And there in the car, I pray, thankfully with my eyes open. And as I drive down the road, and and I ask God, I say, Lord, would you take that away from me? Will you remove this from me? I don't want it. It doesn't belong to me, and it's not from you, so I want it gone. Because if if, if I don't have it gone, we cannot commune. We cannot have that that closeness, that, that intimacy that you so desire. Don't let sin dull your senses. That's what happens. Sin gets into our lives. And it, it worms its way in. And it dulls the feeling, the sense, the intimacy with God. Then, then, I will. Then I will hear from heaven. God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit will speak to you. If you've done these things. Not because it's a chore, not because it's a job, not because it, you, you just feel responsible. Well, I'm, 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 I'm a member of Eastgate, so um, uh, Steve and the elders said I must do this, so I'm going to. No, this is between you and the living God. This is something that, 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 that is close to your heart. Nobody else tells you. What will God do? As he looks at you, as he sees your sin, as he sees your earnestness about wanting to get rid of sin, to take it and to push it as far away as possible, forgive their sin. When I was growing up, um, my parents weren't believers, and we would go to church. We were churchgoers, that's what we were. And my dad, um, he, he's 93 and he was in the Second World War, very hard man, disciplinarian. And um, I was a naughty guy. Man, I was terrible. Uh, my son doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> um, my dad, uh, I remember one specific time where I'd asked him. Our next-door neighbors wanted to go about 30 k's away to friends, and I asked my dad, and, I, and he said no. And I thought, stuff you, I'm going in any case. I must have been about nine or so. So when I was away, I enjoyed myself. But the closer it got to coming home, I knew what was waiting for me. (laughs) I knew that I'd get the hiding of my life. So I arrived home, and they had soup on. I must have had about 15 bowls of soup. I had so much soup. And then eventually they took the bowl away. And boy, did I get a hiding. Man. And I deserved it. I I was a naughty little thing but my dad said what broke him was I went back to him and I looked him in the eye 
And I said, Dad, I'm sorry. And it, it just broke him. It just absolutely broke him because he was so mad with me. And now I've asked him for forgiveness and his heart just melted. That's the heart of God. God's heart melts for you. He longs for you to say, Father, Dad, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for, for, for this, this attitude of rebellion that I have in my heart. I want to draw close to you, but I know that my sin is keeping me from that place. The amazing thing about forgiveness of sin is that weight is lifted. You don't feel guilty anymore. You feel like you've actually been, something has happened. It's, it's gone. It's, it's, it's away from you. You feel free. And that's what God longs for us. He longs for freedom. He longs for us to be free, to worship him with a, with a heart that's, that's got an incredible desire for him. And then he says, I will heal their land. The land, its people, all who dwell there will be whole again. Body, mind, spirit. God will bless not only the people, but the creation also. You've seen in Scripture where people are involved in things and, 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 and they bring their hearts and their nation to God and God just makes them flourish. God wants to do that to you. He longs for his people to be whole again. Body, mind, spirit, everything to be whole. That's the way he made us. He made us body, mind, spirit. He made us in, in, in his likeness. But you see, there's another side to it too. Have a look at from verse 19 downwards. There's incredible blessing when we come to the Lord and, 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 and we own up and, and we repent and, and we do all these things. But, but there's another side to that coin. If you turn aside, forsake my statutes and my commandments that I've set before you. If you go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will. And you can read on there the things that would happen to Israel. Think a bit about it. When you have not been upfront with God, when you've not been open and honest, when you've gone against what He has wanted for your life, consequences always follow. There's always consequences to your actions. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. There is going to be a reaction. I always say to Joel and our coach's soccer team, and I say, guys, your attitude determines your action. Whatever your attitude is, your action is going to follow on from that attitude. If we've got an attitude of saying to God, well, stuff you. I'm going to sin right now, and I know it's sin, but I'll ask you for forgiveness later. Consequences follow. Communion is cut off. Intimacy is halted. Distance is created. God so longs for us to look at him and to understand that, that, that his word is like medicine to us. 
It gives us an idea of, of what his heart is about and, and, and what he longs for us, each one of us. It's just like a parent. Don't touch. Don't touch. Don't. Now you know why you mustn't touch. <laughs> you will get hurt. That stove is hot. I hope, I hope that we, we, can, we can read this passage and, and not take it out of context. I hope that we can learn from this passage and take, and take things from there. Everything in Scripture is, has not been written directly to us. It hasn't got our name on it. But God's Word has got so much inside that is for His people, that has been written for the, 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 the longevity, the love of His people. His statutes, His commandments for each one of us. So that we can take our family and we can lead them. Dads. That we can follow our husbands. Work alongside them, mums. So we can see the example of God honoring people. Kids. And we can follow them as they follow Christ. This weekend, I, 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 my prayer for you is that, that we realize that if it weren't for God drawing us near, we would no, have no knowledge of who he is and why he draws us. But at the same time, he's given us a responsibility to be able to take his word to be able to uh, um, devour it, to eat it word by word, to make it our own, to make it part of our lives so that it can keep us in communion with God as we draw near to Him. I'd like to have a time of prayer where I can pray for you. Let's, let's have some time of, of, of just quiet reflection and then I'll, 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 I'll pray for us as we end. Oh Lord, nothing is hidden from your sight. Even the darkest night is light for you. Lord, we come with nothing in our hands. The only thing we can give you is our sin. Would you transform us? Would you renew our minds? Speak to us in the inner place. Thank you for your immense love to us. For Jesus' sake we pray.